0: This fan base is amazing, the city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be
1: anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right, he's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5,
2: touchdown, Bearcats! 20,
1: 25, towards the middle of
2: the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker
0: will
3: take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off
0: to
1: Marcus Jones. He has tackled it the 34. And it is over. Zero losses.
0: Zero doubts opportunity seized as
1: the Bearcats send a message to the college football world did you see that
2: hello listeners those of you who are new and those of you who are old it is the darkest of times but welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva the Cats. Mm -hmm. I am your host, Justin Howes, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, who is newly uh, equipped with some uh, new glasses, as you can see if you're watching in our video format. Uh, But we're here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats twice a week. This one's getting lumped in this week because we covered the game against Ohio State as long as well as Arizona. I am just all over the place, but make sure to check us out every single week in all of those new episodes. That was a whole lot of mess. Steve, get me right because everything feels so wrong.
1: Well, first off, I uh, don't <laughs> say get me right cuz that just uh, I don't know, that sounds weird. Um, You're right. <laughs> but yes, Justin, it's been uh it's been a week for sure uh for the basketball Bearcats and uh we uh we are adding that conversation in um but um I spiraled a little bit. So I think you'll want to hear that listeners just to hear me spiral. Um, if you know me or if you don't know me, um, hearing me spiral is probably fun. So, um, (laughs) definitely do that. But, um, also, like, I, like Justin said, I do have new glasses. So if you're listening on Spotify or if you want to go to YouTube, search Viva the Cats pod and uh, check them out and let me know. Give me a comment. Uh, <laughs> if you hate them, even like uh, we need the engagement. So, oh, yeah,
3: <laughs> we'll take you what know. we can
1: get around. here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting week and we'll leave basketball to basketball, but um, we do have some uh, fun football stuff coming up. Uh, so, Justin, why don't you take us into that real quick? Yes sir. Uh the Bearcats they managed to beat
2: Temple 23 to 3. Um they I believe did cover the spread in this game?
1: They did. Yes. Yeah, no. yeah they covered the spread, yeah.
2: which is not very common for the Bearcats this year, but they did it. Um we managed to hold a team under like pretty much 20 for almost the first time this year. <laughs> um so things looked pretty good. Managed to take care of business. <clears throat> the defense held Temple to yards per rush. Evan Prater did have to fill in for Ben Bryant. Um, We'll have more on that later, but he went 12 for 17 for 117 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt. And to cap it all off from this past weekend, Navy gave the big old whopping assist in taking down UCF at home which sets up a very lovely scenario for the Bearcats.
1: Shout out to the Naval Academy for doing that. Uh, and also, they released new space unis. Uh, which is such to... a big fuck you. Yeah. Such
2: a big fuck you.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love so, it. Um, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, not working either. Okay. <laughs> Steve, bringing right. us the presser. Yes, uh, I am try- I was trying some new things out because my virtual background's working, but you'll just have to deal with my monitor and my window <laughs> in the background. Uh, it is currently... 601 uh Arizona time. There's still just a hint of sunlight coming in. Uh, but obviously it is currently dark outside. So, anyway, Justin, um, like I said, UCF uh got their win stolen and got their space uniform idea stolen by Navy. So real anchors God. away, my boys. Shout out to the Navy midshipmen. Big old dub <laughs> for the cats, which means, Justin, that your newly minted number 24 ranked Cincinnati Bearcats will host. Thing number 19 ranked Tulane Green Wave this Friday, noon Eastern Time, 11 Central Time, 10 Arizona Time. I might just keep listing those out because that's fun to say. And I'm kind of on a roll here right now, Justin. Keep These going. Bearcats will host the Green Wave for a chance to host the conference championship game. It's pretty simple. Bearcats win, they're hosting. Um, and UCF What helped us out by doing that. There could have been a situation where we would have had to go to Orlando again if mm-hmm. uh, they won out and we won out, and because they would have held the tiebreaker. Um, Houston is still in there, but I don't think they will have the opportunity to be involved in the conference championship game because they weren't ranked in the uh, most recent CFP rankings that were released just before we started recording here. Uh, so right now, uh, just for American conference championship concerns, Tulane ranked number 19 UCF somehow still ranked ranked number 22 um, and Cincinnati ranked at number 24. So we are bringing in the number 19 team to Nippert stadium this weekend. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Justin. Um, it's seems but I think the the thing that I've been worried about in the past, with black friday and with thanksgiving weekend is that i've wanted to avoid it at all costs because uh, for whatever reason uh, students and uh, people from this part of town enjoy traveling north um, and like, obviously students are home for thanksgiving mm-hmm. if you're close enough you, you're gonna go yep. home um, but the, i think the thing that i've been worried about before and i'm interested to see for friday's game is what the level of crowd will be like and obviously there are some stakes on the line for uc in this game there is a chance for us to go to another conference championship game host it next week at our place Um, but you know it's been a worry in the past because even in 2018 when we were going for win number 10 i was at the final game of the 2018 season on black friday against ecu and uh it was a little bit of a light crowd but again there's a, a there's some stakes to this game um, the, the program has been built up to a point now where I I think if you're a student, you're like, yeah, I'm going to the game. Why not? And, you know, obviously right. fans are there, too. It's not just another 10 win season. It's a chance, like I said, for us to go to the conference championship game. So, um, Justin, what's your what's your vibe going into Saturday? Uh, Bearcats are a two point favorite, by the way, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we do not know the current status of. Uh, of Ben, uh, Ben Bryant, uh, for Saturday, uh, for Friday, um, it, that uh, Evan Prater did play in some cleanup time on, uh, on Saturday against temple and he looked okay. Um, I think there's probably a lot of short passes, but, uh, Justin, give me the vibe check.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be, I think a lot of this is honestly going to be dependent on, um, the whole QB situation and how that all shakes out. Like I said, we'll see what happens um, you know, moving forward, but we've, we've sort of had this conversation all season long. And I feel like now's the week where it really all just kind of comes up to, um, lack of a better term, a climax. (laughs) This, this, this game really is going to be dependent on that because Evan's not had a lot of minutes to play this whole season, um, in the grand scheme of things. And if this is going to be a game where he's going to have to go out the gate, it's might be a little bit of a rocky start. If it's a game where, you know, you are going to get, have been in there, I think you're going to have at least somewhat of an expectation for consistency, um, of scoring, um, much better than Bearcats basketball. You can still expect some amount of consistency, even if it's not putting a crap ton of points on the all board. Right, all right. All right. Move on, move on. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I think, I think overall the feeling is pretty good. I, I it's, I would say, I would say things would feel very different if we were going to Tulane. Two but considering that we're staying in Nippert, we've got, what, 33 straight on the board? 32 straight? This would be 33? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't see how, if you're a Bearcat fan, you can't feel good about this game. Um, I think we've taken care of business a lot throughout the year. Um, of course, UCF got the one-up on us. They also got the U, uh, the one-up on Tulane, um, which does make you feel a little bit better if you weren't able to get UCF, and they were then you might feel a little bit rockier. I think we just kind of go into this game fairly even, but with the home advantage, I think we're just going to be able to run, run with it, not run away with the game, but I think we're going to be able to end up winning in the end. Um, And I I really do think there's going to be a decent enough crowd. Like you said, a lot of, a lot of people do travel North for Thanksgiving, but I think at the same time, we also have a lot of the student base that is from Columbus, from surrounding areas, even from Cleveland. If you're in Columbus, you drive up today On what today's Tuesday night, you drive up on Wednesday, you stay Wednesday, you stay Thursday, you visit the fam, and then you come back down on a nice early drive on Friday morning, and you get ready to, you know, run train on some two lane green wave. I think that's what happens here. I think we're going to have a decent enough fan base sh- to show out. And if not, I think enough people will probably give away their tickets to the friends that they know they have in town um, because this is a big game. And like you said, the stakes really do matter here. Like you, this is a game that you have to win. Like it's yep. this, the, all this season culminates to this one game. We pointed this out in probably what, like week four, week five. And we're like, well, wow, Tulane might be serious this year. And lo and behold, here we
1: are in, you gotta, you gotta go in and win. Yep. Yep. And like you mentioned earlier, Justin, um, UCF and Tulane did play a couple weeks ago. Um, that was just, I I feel like that was just a weird game from a Tulane standpoint. Um, UCF went up like 31 to seven, um, a weird, like crowd discrepancy too. It seemed like there was a lot more UCF fans there at in new Orleans than there were Tulane fans. Um, Tulane did come back and make it a seven point game at the end, but, um, I like I, I think they just couldn't stop uh, UCF's running attack, much like we could not that day uh, that mm-hmm. we played against UCF. Um, and uh, Tulane is obviously like very competent at passing the ball, but they are more focused on running, and they do practice like the the modified triple option, where it's more of like a two back like shotgun option uh, mm-hmm. offense, and they average about 190 rushing yards a game, 225 passing yards a game. So they're they're pretty well balanced, um, but they've been able to. Basically, they've won a lot of games just by, um, well, the Kansas State game. They weren't more talented than them, but they yeah. just <laughs> won a lot of games this year by being more talented, not making much many mistakes. And it seemed like they kind of just got out talented in that UCF game. And UCF, Fair. like it's weird to say, but they probably have <laughs> a little bit more talent than the Bearcats do this year. And you know, UC lost a lot of guys, and uh, they're still developing, still working on getting that back. So it's a uh, you know, we'll get to that if if it does come, but I want to get back to something that you mentioned. Um, if Ben Bryant isn't able to go, um, I think this is like like you said, Justin, the perfect time for Evan Prater to really get his time to shine. And um, I think we can it's his time to prove everyone, whether it's right or wrong. It's his time. Yeah and um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about well, if he doesn't play, does he go in the transfer portal or like what what happens to him after the season? Well, I mean this is all you want if you're Evan Prater. You you are the young man given finally given your chance to have the opportunity to lead this program out onto the field and show people what you have. And Justin, I think it's an off-season conversation, but um, I, I think like the, there's been such a harsh uh, harshness towards Ben Bryant this year, and yeah. I don't. I mean, like. Look, like, I mean, obviously Desmond Ritter was drafted into the NFL last year. And, uh, you know, like Evan Prater is the, one of the highest rated recruits in the program's history. And Ben's in a weird spot having to come back. And theoretically, like, he was tasked with knowing the offense. And I think it's just that we just don't have the receivers this year. And the run, run blocking is not really setting up the offense for success. So mm-hmm. I do think that people have been a little bit hard on Ben. And I just... I don't know. I don't appreciate that because uh, like we've been really successful and obviously like this, this might not last And next year. Like we might not win nine or 10 games again. Uh, we have a possibility to win 10 because even if we lose tomorrow, we're still going to a bowl game uh, lose on Friday. I mean, we're still going to a bowl game. So right. um, this has been a really cool time for the program where it's not just been two years and our coach leaves. Like this has right. been five years of sustained success and I, I feel like we should not be greedy over that. We should just embrace that. And I I think what Luke said in his press conference a couple of weeks ago, this is just who we are. This is just who the program is. They're going to win games and grind them out and be tough and gritty. And I, Justin, to be honest, I didn't get to watch much of the game on Saturday, but, um, you know, just from how we played, like, you know, held Temple to 1.8 yards per rush, mm-hmm. didn't seem to have many, like, crazy debilitating penalties, kept them out of the game. This was about the time last year where UC got out of their rut and really turned it on for their last three games of the season. And yeah. like I said many times, I've been waiting for that to happen. And <laughs> it half did last Saturday. It didn't really – obviously, it wasn't a 56-3 to win, but um, – th- they only held, they held Temple to 3 points who their offense had been working pretty well recently and i that's the lowest that UC's held anybody this season um and yeah. i think that's that's a positive and he did that on the road too and uh, a very raucous uh, environment at the link in, in Philadelphia. My, dude, <laughs> I'm so glad by the way, we don't have to play in environments like that anymore. And I saw your quote tweet of somebody who's like, yep, that's uh, Cincinnati's program for you. And they t- you tweeted the Texas A&M stadium and half. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I did think that was funny, but um, you know, and, and like temples had a cup ruffle, cuff, Rough couple of years, I guess. <laughs> they've never filled that stadium other than that Notre Dame game, which was probably like half or more Notre Dame fans, but I right. tangent over, back to the point at hand. This is Evan Prater's time to shine, man, and I want it for the young man so bad. Mm-hmm. I want him to just uh, say to everybody, like, your king has arrived. I am yep. here, you know? <laughs> uh, and I, I want him to just, you know, he – i i have my thoughts i've i've shared them often this year um and i it's my belief that the coaching staff should be trusted enough to the point where if he wasn't good enough it's been uh, they if he was good enough he would have been given the opportunity to play they've given um they gave des the opportunity to play in the first game of 2018 and we never looked back uh and Mm -hmm. so like you know i think that we should trust in this coaching staff but now that Ben Bryant may not play, we don't know. Uh, he may, he may not play, but if Evan Prater is chosen to play, it's your time, man. Go get it. Yep. Yeah. I think,
2: I, I think not I very fast. Want to be devil devil's advocate to the people who have been on the other side of this, uh, you know, the other side of this eight ball is just that. I think a lot of this conversation isn't so against Ben. It's that idea of, we're going into the Big 12. Ben probably not going to be here next year unless he decides to take his COVID year. We need to get right, and we need to get right now. And if we're going to fuck up, it needs to happen now with Evan. So that way we go into next year being prepared. And I think that's really been the narrative. And I think there's, there's that. But then there's also the other louder, very minority, but louder part of the fan base that also just says, we don't like Ben Bryant, And I think that's a huge problem because it's people need to realize it's like this guy has come out here and done his job. Like he might, it might not be the prettiest every single week, but he's been our quarterback since week one. And we have nine wins and two losses. And both of those two losses are by a touchdown or less. I think a lot of people overlook that. Like it's, it's not like we've had games where we got blown in, blown out. And we, I'd have to say like there's every game that we've lost hasn't been strictly because of him. And every game that we've won hasn't been because of everybody else except for him. Like, I I don't think, I think he's just kind of in this like upper gray area where you can't necessarily condone, you know, you, you can't, you can't talk him out of being that guy and you can't, Talk him into the conversation of being the future because he's just age wise, you know, it's not working out. But I think this is one of those things where, again, like if this is Evan's time and this is going to be it, I can't I don't. I don't know how many times this happened in our program where we've had a guy who's in his junior, senior year who's like, all right, this is his time. He's going to finally pop off. And then, bam, injury at the end of the season. Next guy comes in, and then he starts for two, three years. How many times has that happened in our program? It's always like literally the week before Thanksgiving, or it is the Thanksgiving week going into championship week or bowl week. This happens time and again. It happened with Pike. Pretty sure it happened with Brendan Kay. Pretty sure this happened with, I mean, I guess it didn't happen with Hayden, but it happened at the beginning of the season. But again, it's like there always just seems to be like some kind of injury, which is very unfortunate for that starting quarterback. That happens to be the changing of the guard. And generally, whenever that happens, it has changed for the better. So I think if that's one thing to see, if we have a model, not the most great model, if you're the quarterback at hand but it is one of those things that like, I think we've as a program over the past 20 years have recovered very well from losing a quarterback late in the season. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, that's, and this is all we, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen if that's the case. But again, I think, I think this really is a great time, especially this is, I mean, UCF was obviously very tough, but go all the way back to Arkansas and go all the way up to Tulane. Now, 19, 19, I mean, if we're being technical, granted, one's a road environment, one's at home, you technically have a technically a level playing field for both quarterbacks to show who they are. And this is the perfect way for Evan to show against a really tough team who's gone out and beat just about every single team on the board that he's that guy. So hopefully he can do it. Um, and. You know, like we said, we'll see what happens. This week is going to be really interesting. And um, I would like to for two seconds present you a possibility matrix here. Um, we've already got all the possibilities for the Bearcats, but I wanna I wanna throw this just impossible 0.2% thing in here. What if UCF blew it and gave USF their first win this year? And we got two lane like we had with Memphis, back to back weeks get the game except this time we win the champ or we win the championship hosting rights and then win the championship what if ucf managed to find it's not going to happen but just for a millisecond imagine the possibility that ucf does everything they've done this season made all the like annoying white noise that they do every single year and then just miss the play or miss the championship game again
1: I mean, I I would have to tune into the post game spaces because boy, there would be some <laughs> takes going on, and uh, I already saw some takes about you know like there's I, already plenty of fire guns. Yeah, I'm like, oh, ew, you sure about that? Like, right. So yeah. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of not out of the realm of possibility. Like, USF went up, like, 14-0 on Tulsa last Friday. And I was like, are they going to do it? Like, is it going to be time? It was not time. They <laughs> lost. Um, but uh, they made it close. They only lost by three. Um, it would be very funny, though, if that was, like, the last game. And um, that I, there's some other, like, weird things. Like, Justin, did you know that USF, like, dug, like, a hole in UCF's end zone after they ended their series in, like, 2008? Because usf decided to not play ucf anymore um and then they ended up meeting later in the conference and obviously ucf has kind of ascended since then but um there's there was a weird thing where like usf had like a gold tipped shovel and like dug some dirt up from ucf's end zone and like kind of i don't know it was weird but uh (laughs) i i kind of want ucf to do that just because rivalries are fun rivalries are supposed to be petty so yeah enough about them back to us um it would be very funny if that happened again. Um, and, uh, the coastal fans would be punched in the air because oh, three-loss yeah. UC team would be going uh, to the new year six game and probably playing Alabama. So, uh, uh, hope for some opt outs there, but, um, yeah. you know, um, I, I think though, it's like, you know, Justin, this is like everything you want uh, is on the table uh, this Friday. And if you do that, then everything you want is at your place. And, um, Last two conference championship games at home um, have been pretty successful for the Bearcats, but first you have to do the the, the job this weekend. And um, you mentioned something earlier, Justin, like I was listening to the guys from uh splits on duo today and uh, they did mention they liked to lean a little bit better than, than yeah, UC. I heard like that as well. Been, yeah. But um, you know, they brought up the point that UC has not lost since 2017 at home. And um, I, I know we've talked about it a lot this year, but, until UC loses at home, I and doesn't matter. It's like that that meme of LeBron with uh the the hairnet and the SIGs. Uh, in, in, in his <laughs> I love that like, one, you know, like Nippert Stadium, Evan Prater, Ben Bryant don't matter, calves and four, you know. Like, so, <laughs> I, I hope that wasn't uh, offensive at all, but uh, uh but anyway, um, t- until they yes. lose to me, it don't matter, like yeah, Bearcats by nine, cats by 90. Let's roll, let's and it might be like. 90 seconds and when we win the game but you know what why not why not us why not the cats why can't we do it and it's at home i i'm talking myself up for it but i'm excited man um and then like you know just how crazy this day is going to be with uh usa england starting at like about the time the second half is going to kick off too yeah um for i mean obviously i'm going to be watching the bearcats more but uh, it's just it's going to be an interesting day of sports uh and um hopefully it comes up comes out well for us breakfast fans.
2: You know what I think would be really funny. Not that I want this to happen in any regards, but we get somewhere into the second half. The US scores, but it's like on a like right after we just have a touchdown scored on us and everybody's like, shit. Ah, yes. Like and you just like, but there's like this this growing sound. You don't know what it's coming from until you realize that we scored. I really hope that, you know, we can give it to England. This is not a soccer pod by any means. Uh, we've definitely thrown way far away from that. Um, but anyways, uh, with that, with that implication there, you know, with this game kind of being positioned for the end of the season, I really hope that I I, I really hope that with this game against Tulane, that we we can kind of just prove that against this high level competition, that we can take care of business. And it's, it's again, not, we don't need to win dominantly, but we just need to do it. Um, and I think this is one of those weeks where we, we've had our, we've, we've had our issues against some of these tough, tougher teams, but not necessarily teams that we shouldn't beat. Again, UCF was a game that we just slipped up again. It's on the road. It's going to be tough regardless, but I don't know. I, I really think, like I said earlier, and I've, jumbled over four or five times like this is a this is a game that's like it's a must win but it is a it's a good vibe yeah and and i think i think to moving forward from this game like you know assuming that you go in you win and you can get into the conference championship you're probably going to play ucf again but you get to host them at home if ucf fucks up and we get to lane again that'll be interesting. But I I think if you can get the better of a team one week, you can probably get the better of them twice. UCF on the other hand, I think if we can get, if they got the better of us at home and it was barely, and it was on a bad day for the Bearcats, I think we can kind of materialize that. And I think we should be rock steady going into, you know, probably the near six bowl. Again, like you said, coastal, I think is, is the sort of proverbial answer if the bearcats and ucf find a way to suck
1: and they slip they in, are the but... break glass in case of emergency too. yeah Like <laughs> <laughs> and they have to win their conference championship too and it's right. not not a given and uh the, the all of this stuff can be talked about next week uh, right because That's true we could be talking about a, a bearcats football game next week we might not be um and yeah. you know we'll see what happens there. And uh, my mood for the next week will de- be entirely dependent on Friday's game. So we'll yeah. see if I'm feeling cranky or happy um, <laughs> when we convene again next week. So um, Justin real quick, uh, I do want to shout out like the seniors uh, there's I, like, you know, there's, there's a bunch, but um, you know, just in particular, like the guys who came back this year, like well, uh, Josh Wiley and Lenny Taylor are the ones that come to mind for me, but um, shout out to all the seniors who have been a part of this, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like, Ben I'd say is like technically a part of this. He still has one more year and he could, you know, keep playing. But um the seniors who have been here for this ride and uh helped us like think of a guy like Charles McClellan, for example. Like dude's had 3 dude's gone season- through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he's had two season ending injuries and um, he's still stuck through it and he's he's still here now. And he's this is his sixth year and um he could technically apply for another year if he wanted to. I don't know if he is, but Uh, there's a lot of guys who are seniors this year Justin who deserve our love and respect and I hope they receive that on Friday because like uh, because and I want people to show up early uh, to give those seniors the respect they deserve because last year's guys and this year's guys played a huge role in building up what we've done over the past five years and this year and just making it like the okay yeah this is Cincinnati football this is who we're supposed to be and So I just want to like shout out all of those guys, like, man, they, they have really changed the entire vibe around Nippert stadium. Um, And I'm sure Luke Fickle would say the same thing. I didn't really get to read his press conference uh, quotes today, but like, you know, a coach can only do so much. It's uh, in football, especially, it's a lot about players and the players that he's brought in and that have stayed here and, like you know they've mostly been pretty consistent here not many people have transferred out a lot of guys stuck it out and stayed through and man they have been rewarded over the past four or five years so shout out to all those guys um i'm gonna have a post on uc uniforms uh shouting them out on friday um so i'll have that more in depth as we get there but man uh, like just a big shout out to them yeah absolutely and i think that's a that's a that's a really important
2: thing to highlight too. It kind of gets lost in the implications of like, oh, we you know we're talking about moving forward to the Big Twelve. We're talking about what's our new identity. We're talking about all this other stuff, and you know, you still have these guys who are you know left over from last year, but are still very much leaders of this team. So again, I will be there this week, um, thankfully. So it'll be. I guess only my second game, the first game that I caught in town this year, I think I'm trying to remember which one I went to. I think it was uh, USF. I'm pretty sure was the game. That Didn't you I was go
1: to at. the Indiana
2: game or no? Or Indiana. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, because I remember watching USF on TV and being very angry. Uh, <laughs> Indiana, on the other hand, was a lot of fun. That game was great. And I remember the people that I was sitting around, like literally this guy, sitting two seats down for me, got up twice and both times that he got up for no more than five minutes, we scored touchdowns on and he was so pissed. Uh, and it, that's always how it goes too. Um, you know, everybody knows how that is, but regardless, yeah. I think this is going to be a huge week for us. I'm really excited to be down um, for the game and hopefully we move forward and then we get to talk whether or not we're going to pull through that championship game and, go into a new year six bowl again. And maybe we'll get our lovely rematch with the crimson tide or somebody else. But God, would i love another shot at Alabama, especially, you know, it might not be great for us this year, but it's not looking too great for them either. Maybe we'll be able to take advantage of it, but first um, things first, Justin
1: got to take care of business on Friday. And then, yes, I uh, you know, and like, hope, I mean, if, uh did you notice what we did there earlier listeners by uh saying talking about uh evan and ben um uh, you know the, yeah, anyway <laughs> um uh, it's it start job starts on friday and it only goes up from there so um yep. like i've said before there's been a lot of ups and downs in this season but they put themselves in a position to go advance to the conference championship game with a win on on Friday and. Um, that's been Fickle's like number one goal since he's been here: win a championship. And they've mm-hmm. done it the last two years. And they have a, uh, they've been for the last three years. They have a chance to, the the opportunity to get there for four straight years and possibly win a third consecutive one. But like we said, um, it's a challenge on Friday. Um, and it's probably the biggest game of the year, um, if I'm being frank. Like the you know Arkansas was definitely big. UCF definitely was big, but for all the stakes that are involved in this game, I'd say this is the biggest game of the year for the Bearcats. And I really hope they come out and just show, show who they are.
2: Yep. win Arkansas maybe change the narrative, but you lose to Tulane sucks in the end. You just don't get the gold that you want, which really is a championship and losing Arkansas has zero implications against winning or losing, you know, going to the championship game for, the American and ultimately that's our goal year in year out. You should expect to be there. So mm-hmm. thankfully it looks like we should be again, as long as like we said, take care of business, but we've talked plenty on Bearcats football again. We sounded off uh pretty, pretty disheartingly over basketball. You can catch that after this break here in just a second. But again, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Um, we'll see what happens and hopefully we'll be talking to you championship week, but um, until then, Go Bearcats.
1: Go Bearcats, baby.
2: Anyways, for those of you who are joining on Spotify, Apple Pods, or whatever platform you listen to us on, including Twitter Spaces later on, um, we just witnessed the end of the Ohio State Bearcats game in the Maui Invitational. And lo and behold, the rollercoaster ride that is the Bearcats program uh, just does not feel... uh, we're, we're kind of we're going through the loop-de-loops right now. Um, I feel like we've been through the same situation over and over and over again. Um, and now it just kind of gets to the point where, um, Stephen mentioned this earlier, hopefully this isn't the case, but it seems like people are starting to get to the point of apathy, um, which you never want to get to um, where we're now, uh, let's see, five games, into six games into the season. Um, it's, it's tough to be in this position this early on. Um, thank God we're not Louisville, but we do get to play Louisville, um, coming up. So it could be that bad, but it definitely feels like it's that bad when you're a Bearcats fan. Um, as it stands, uh, the first three games out the gate, of course, we took care of business. No real issue there. Um, maybe some issues that we could have possibly seen being problems down the line, um in a few of those games but notably um you know some larger wins that we kind of expected then of course we go on to our first true quote-unquote road game of the year northern kentucky and um just honestly kind of blow it and then following that up we jump right into arizona um which just does not give us a whole lot of time to prep for a team like that and you know, things didn't look great, but we did have a good shooting night, so we ended up keeping it close. But I can't actually, I, I don't know. I would have to look this up to see if it's a program record, but I cannot tell you the last time that any team scored 100 points on the Bearcats. Um, it definitely has not been in any point in time between uh, before now, um, the Mick Cronin era, and I can't assume that that would have happened at any point time in time
1: I'll tell you what it was. Okay. Uh, the four overtime UConn game.
2: Four overtime. That actually ended up reaching 100? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. 104 to 97, I think.
2: 104. Okay. So <laughs> if we're talking a regular two halves with no overtime, something that's a little bit more the, respectable um, than four overtimes, then or- I think then the record going to go back a lot farther. Um, of course, that one, you know, that we all remember that with such bliss, of course. But, um, you know, obviously that's sarcastic. But regardless, this is just not a state that you want your program to be in as it currently stands. Um, and, you know, losing to Ohio State is just another one of those ones where you really want to win and you just didn't. Um, you didn't even come close. Uh, for the first bit of the first half, it looked like we'd, you know, kind of maybe give them a shot once you start pulling to halftime starts opening it up and then you hope that you can have some semblance of coming out in the second half, like you did the night before against Arizona where they scored over 60 points in a half. And it's quite literally the opposite. Um, I talked about this earlier on today um, in a tweet where it's just, I think the biggest issue that I've highlighted, at least offensively, this has nothing to do with defense, nothing to do with talent, nothing to do with coaching, anything just momentum and the way the game's been flowing. The Bearcats tend to have a lot of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 plus minute, you know, lulls where you're scoring one point, two points tops in that given space of time. And you just can't do that. You cannot win games like that. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You could be playing an FC, you know, or you, you could be playing all the way down to, you know, an exhibition game type where, you know, you're, uh, you're a top 50 team and you could be playing a team that's in the 300s and they could still get the better of you. If you played like that, if you cannot find a way to score um, and there's really just no, no excuse for the way that we've performed so far. Um, and I don't know. I've, I feel like I've talked enough. I'm just trying to trying to figure out what the solution is here um, and also identify all of our issues and see where it is that we can actually improve uh, in the few coming weeks, and then what are some of the more systemic issues that are going to be season-long problems to fix?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it starts with David DeJulius not scoring one point, I'll tell you that. Uh, he's been taken away the past few games. Uh, nine against Northern Kentucky, nine last night, uh, and then I'm just checking his final stat line today. But, uh, yeah, one point today. Uh, that's uh, it's just not going to wow. go not gonna cut it um the matchup today I mean you know like we got uh, out rebounded by by 11 offensive rebounds got out rebounded by five uh second chance points got beat by 11 there they had 24 points off turnovers to our five um and they you know they they shot uh six of 20 from three 30 of 64 from the field but we shot 20 of 52 4 of 18. Um, and it just, it just wasn't good enough. Um, once again, big men are just going to be our problem. Justin, um, we're just going mm-hmm. to killed <laughs> yep. uh, when we play against a competent big man. Um, because I, I heard l- last night on a uh, Paul Fritzner's podcast that, uh, the, the dude that went off against us for NKU, he only had two points and no rebounds last night. So, um, like, hmm. it, it just, yeah, yeah, we're, we're just, we just don't have the dudes. Uh, we don't have the dudes and, um, whether you put that on Wes or you put that on like the uh, what's been what's been left over so far it whatever you put it on, it's just we don't have the dudes
2: yeah, that's definitely for sure I think we we've realized this uh last year, and now that's stemming over into this year as well um one thing I wanted to point out as well, um you know for sake of talking some of the dudes that we do have and some of those that just aren't consistent. Um, I've, I've found it. And I think the rest of the fan base has found it really nice to see the freshmen performing well. Um, I feel like that's the one bright spot out of all of these issues that we've kind of seen time and time again from the same players, from the same system of, you know, coaching of not solving these problems. We've seen sort of these two freshmen been able to kind of take over between Reed and Skillings, um, you know, take over their spots and responsibly play, you know, just getting at it, chasing boards, being active on the floor, scoring fairly consistently. Um, And I think this is one thing I find really interesting. And I want to know what people's opinion is on this. But um, when Wes first came in here, he talked a lot about like how we're going to play Bearcat basketball. We're going to have this sort of as our identity. I saw that just come up you know, just a few minutes ago, too, in another tweet about identity. Um, And I think, obviously, what this is is definitely not Bearcat's basketball, but when the system is running and when things are playing fast and things are going to the way that Wes wants them to go, it still isn't Cincinnati basketball in the way that we define that. Um, His definition is obviously going to be different than Mick's definition, but I think it really looks like North Carolina basketball. This is exactly the system that he was kind of brought up in with Roy Williams. When he played, this is such an offensive team and there really isn't much focus on defense as much as we'd like to imagine that there would be. That's what we hung our hat on as, you know, Bearcats fans is like, we're the defensive team. We're always up there sort of the same way we talk about with football. Um, but when you look at this team, like you run down the floor, you score, you You take advantage of the possessions that you can get, and then you hustle down the court and then you know you just kind of let the other team shoot because you know that you're going to be able to outshoot them. you know that you're going to be able to outpace them. Arizona does the same thing they just did it to us last night. There's a reason that we scored ninety three but there's also a reason that they scored over a hundred. It's because Arizona does not play hard defense. Arizona plays to to get the ball back, and if they if they can force you to take a quick shot if you make it and you make a three, that sucks but they know they can go down and bang a three in your face in half the time that you just took to do that. And you're going to outpace those teams. And I think this is kind of what Wes is sort of building this team towards. That's just my personal opinion on it. But I, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really see any real push towards focus on defense. And I don't see really any aggression on that side of the ball. But there's so much more aggression on the offensive side of the ball where spot up shooting, where your heat checks, all that kind of stuff it's not going to get penalized by a guy like Wes, because as you can see, this is how this scheme is going. It's building to be an offensive scheme. And I think these younger guys, they're very athletic. They're very quick, fast, bouncy. They got everything. They're kind of a positionless player. That is what Wes wants. And that is what's working for Wes. But then you can't expect all of these other guys from, you know, classes, sophomore through super senior COVID year plus to be that you can't expect these guys to change their identity. And I think that's what a big part of where a lot of people's pain point is, is you have to be able to adapt to those guys system as well as run your own. And you have to cater to everybody in order to succeed. And if you want to win, you have to make sure that you have a system that works for everybody and not the future of your team. As much as the, we would love to see the future of our team, you'd love to see these guys like Reed and Skillings. We talked about this in the offseason. There is a legitimate chance that by the end of the season, you guys you could see these guys try to slip in for some starting positions or some really heavy minutes. That's great, but you also want to take advantage of your guys who are much older, who have much more experience, who you know are consistent, who, who, who you know their, their highs and their lows. You want to be able to play to those guys' strengths. And you don't want to have to force them to change into doing something that they don't. And I just I don't see where how we're currently playing in this system, how it caters to guys like, you know, DDJ, to Davenport, to Micah, to all these other guys. It just doesn't seem to work for them as much because I feel like we'd see that on the floor. You'd see that potential, even if they're not the guys going forward, you know, for the rest of time, and they're, you know, starting to age out of the program, whatever it might be. You sh- they should still be cleared away cut favorites every single night consistent in and out because you have a system that caters to them and if one's off you have two or three or four that are on par um and can take over in that situation so i don't i don't know i okay. think that's right, that's a right, big thing right. that that is <laughs>
1: all right okay i'm gonna stop you there justin i appreciate yeah. that but um let's get some of the people in here to talk um this is why we're hosting a space uh i i do appreciate all that don't get me wrong but i want to hear some of the people so uh, we had hunter um, earlier and, uh, let's hear from if anybody else wants to speak, uh, definitely request and we'll let you in.
3: But, um, I want to hear from some of the fans here. So, Hunter, go ahead. Give us your thoughts.
1: I mean, you're right. Like, There's not much else you can do right now. <laughs> there, you see what
0: this team could be in the Arizona game with the offense. And then,
4: I mean, uh, you got Vic, and that's it. As a real big man, highly skilled big man, but as a real, like, actual, like, size-wise big man, because you see it when Odie goes in, no disrespect to Odie, but he's undersized when he goes up against those big men from Arizona,
1: and that dude, my hot yep, day. Yep. yep, yep. And I think the other thing, too, is that, like, we just don't have the size, like you said, and we don't have... Like, the, I mean, I, I said it earlier, we don't have the dudes, but, um, like, Jeremiah Davenport is by far no means our, our best defender. So, like, I just don't understand why we have him who is, you know, he's there for his offense, but why he is, like, they had him on key for a lot of the time during the game today. And I just, I didn't understand that. Um, I also just didn't understand, too, like, why... We, we can't have, like, a – I don't know. Like, I mean, I understand, like, Kalu has is, is shown he cannot play with the ball. um But, like, dude, like, get him in there for five fouls or something. Like, we – something has to change. And, like, just on the offensive end, like, we're not setting up any easy buckets for anybody. It's just – it's painful to watch. It's, like, pulling milk. Like, I, I don't – I don't know. It's just painful on the offensive end. But defensively, I think, like, you're right. It's just, like, we this, – this program – should just pride itself on that and i understand like we do not have the dudes but like is that up to wes for like like bringing in a guy like you know alu who is like you know under still undersized against these guys and well if i'm i've said this in like the I, i'm joined the Cincy slang in discord um just because it's like been fun and i took a couple days off twitter but i said this in there i'll say it here justin i think it's a good point <laughs> just because i'm saying it but so, um <laughs> If I'm being pessimistic, Justin, um, there's a lot more dudes uh, that are not as good as Zed Key or uh, Ballo from last night or uh, Sibylus—I uh, forget his name—but there's a lot more dudes in this league uh, that we're gonna play in that are just as good as that dude from NKU and who got played off the court against Florida Gulf Coast last night. And like, if he's—if there's just gonna be dudes like that who just own the glass and just get a bunch of second chance. Points and just completely just eat against us, it might be a long season, man. And like, you know, Vic, mm-hmm. Vic is not a defensive guy either. Like, it's just not his thing. He's not, they're, they're not asking him to do that really. He's, you know, he's supposed to be a scorer. And I I, I think there's got to be something where, like, you know, we, like, the press, I, I, I don't think the press is working right now. Like, again, it seems like it's getting broken easily and there's always an open guy. It was left over, and, like, I I think we're just not setting up easy shots for for David, for Landers, for anybody, really. It seems like all either contested drives to the basket or DDJ, like, having to do, like, three moves and, like, jumping backwards Mm -hmm. and shooting. And against, like, teams with more talent, it's just – it has shown it has not worked. And even against NKU, like, he got taken out of that game. Uh, pretty early and without him we just do not have an offense and it's almost like the offense of okay let like let david figure everything out for us kind of like the sean kilpatrick offense back in the day and i I mean like i I definitely get on justin what you're saying about like you know we're playing to a system but (laughs) that was our complaint (laughs) about the one of the previous coaches who was here and the coach after him like the these system's you know, that we play to. And I, look, I get it. Like, you, as a coach, you're going to have a system. And, like, I know less about uh, basketball than Wes Miller has forgotten about in the last week. Like, he knows way more about basketball than you and I do. But, like, dude, like, how how, how are we going to look like this against two local rivals? One, like, you know, you got get played off the floor at NKU, played off the floor today against Ohio State, Arizona, I'm not as mad about because they might be like a, a title contender this year. But like, dude, like, I, I mean, we saw it last year with Xavier. We got played off the court there too. We almost lost to Miami last year, and Miami's got Travis Steele now, so that's not a given. seeing yeah. knowing what Travis Steele knows about playing the Bearcats, and I'm just wondering, like, what what is the change here? It seemed like nothing was changed from last night, other than. Ohio State having a much better defense than Arizona and just punking us uh, there. And I don't know. It's just frustrating. So, uh, again, uh, if anyone else wants to speak, like, uh, request to speak, uh, I want to hear from the people. Um, I want to hear from you guys because I'm just kind of at a loss for words. This is not Cincinnati basketball. This is not what we want Cincinnati basketball to be. And uh, I'm kind of from the older guard where, like, I grew up and Cincinnati basketball was much better than Cincinnati football ever was. And I don't want us to become a football school. You see it with students. I'm making this a bigger thing than it probably is because, you know, it's year two under a rebuild and the recruiting classes definitely need to be built out and they're being worked on and they will be better. But um, man, like it seems like the tide is definitely shifting among this fan base from uh, basketball school to football school. And obviously with success, you know, comes like uh, comes that, but, yeah, it's just frustrating. So, um, fight to the finish. I'm gonna invite. Uh, I just invited you to speak. Um, so uh, you go ahead when you're ready.
3: It's like you mentioned, just frustrating to keep on losing to these local teams, like, um,
4: like NKU, like Xavier. Like, so I'm a I'm a current um, student at UC, and it's just really frustrating to keep on losing to um, the rivals, especially when my friends go to those schools, and it's just, and it's just frustrating that you know under year two of West, we still don't really have an idea of what his offensive scheme is supposed to be like because we knew what Finney's limitations were on offense when they brought him in, and we knew what um, Landers, we knew what he was. We obviously didn't know what Kalu was, and it seemed like he was taking a risk on Kalu, and it hasn't worked out at all um so far, but I really haven't seen anything that shows his off like obviously last night um offense was really flowing but against defenses that we don't really um know how to um play against or we don't really have anything like drawn up that or like once they start figuring out what we're doing offensively it doesn't really seem like we switch or try to switch. It's just frustrating not to really know what type of Plan Wes has obviously he was going for more length in the transfer portal and kind of getting these recruits like Skilling's like um, I think he'll be a really good player but it's just frustrating um, just not really to know what Wes has in mind offensively and and you know it's already you know if we didn't lose the NKU game I would kind of just chalk it up to teams being better than us but um, I yeah. just saw the NK, NKU lost to another another really bad mid major today so it's it's obviously not not in k u being outstanding but it's just it's just frustrating not to really know where where we're at offensively and it just i mean arizona was was fun to that was a fun game score ninety three but then to come out and and you know, i even put up you know sixty points
2: it's kind of it's embarrassing yeah and i think <clears throat> we're we're really starting to notice this shift too with um a lot of these guys just that were throwing out in these rotations, it just doesn't seem like I've, I've found this. My biggest sticking point is like, who would you say is the, like the go-to defensive guy? I feel like there's always been some kind of player for the Bearcats. Who's like at least a stud. On if he does nothing else. Can exactly. And that <laughs> is exactly where I'm going. I'm glad that you said that because this is a huge thing that I think we're overlooking a lot. I mean, you don't, if you're, if you're missing one guy, you know, I would even go to say that John Newman is not the best player on this team, but John Newman is the hardest playing player on this team. And he's not out there on the court right now. And I think this is not a thing where like I would steer this way because I've, I am just as annoyed and at a loss for words as to why things aren't going the way they should. But I think when you have a guy like Newman, Newman, realistically, I think a lot of people want to think that he's probably like a sixth man on this team, but he's definitely a starter on this team for sure. He was a starter last year. He should be a starter this year. That guy is the dude. Like he is solid on the court. He hustles after every ball. I can't tell you. There was probably three, four games last year where we got screwed on a call at the end of it, but it was because he was diving on the floor, diving out of bounds, diving for something. And I don't see that hustle out of any of these guys, literally any of them. And you, you you have a guy like John Newman who's just not on the floor. And that's a huge, 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 huge loss because he completely changes your defensive scheme. He's your go-to guy. You know that he's always going to be there to back somebody up behind if you can't get that initial pick off. And you know that he's going to be able to create that. And he is just that defensive crea- De- defensive turnover. He's that kind of creation that you need to have on your team. And if you don't have him on the floor, you need to have somebody else to go to. Landers hasn't been awful for that, but he also hasn't been great, but he's still our defensive leader statistically. And on the floor, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know who you could call out to say is another like highly defensively prowessed player. And that's a huge issue because you have to have some amount of that identity in order to carry that over. You have to have some guy that's going to really instill that in your defense and then then you get all to, to all the offensive issues. But I think that's been a huge sticking point for me. Um, and I'm curious if anybody else has an answer for that. We've got a couple other guys who've got the mic now. So feel free to speak. I've talked long enough. Steve's talked long enough. Feel free to chime in.
0: I'll go ahead and chime in here. I was uh, just kind of referring to what you were just talking about with, you know, who's that guy on defense to really step up and guard someone, make a play on defense. I mean, if you look back at last night against Arizona, that the first like four or five minutes of that game, everybody was hustling. We had people running guys down on the other when Arizona had the ball, blocking shots, fighting for rebounds. We had that for the first few minutes of the game. Then Arizona goes on their little run, and you kind of see them see it in all their faces, like "oh shit," like, yeah. like this team's good. They're you know, they're dominating us right now. And then tonight, that was kind of how it was the whole game. I mean, Ohio State had 19 offensive rebounds. I think they said around 18 or 20 second chance points off those offensive rebounds, and that can't happen. Like, right. like I like Lockin. He's stepped up pretty big these past couple games, but he just needs to get big. He has, he's kind of been a little bit of a liability on defense he's he needs to put on some weight and stand his ground down there in the paint.
2: yeah yeah that's that's definitely true um i think i think you kind of make a good point there too is like you see that hustle from everybody but that's the biggest issue is like i, I where i find that i again i come back to this point of john newman having a player like that on the floor at least consistently game in and game out is You have to, you, you know, you need that guy that even if the rest of the team is kind of just, all right, we're, we're starting to get our ass kicked here a little bit, or the, our defense just isn't working. They're just scoring. You have to have that guy that's just kind of constantly push for it, even if it's not working out because eventually that turns into those turnovers. Eventually that turns into something clicking and something working there. And I think there's, I think this is the other thing too, like. With with the changing of the guard and having a few new guys in here, you have some older guys. I think we still have this issue as last year, like along with who's the key defensive player, who's the leader of this team, who's the guy like that is going that everybody's going to rally around night in night out. Like I mean, if you think about the past few seasons of that, last year that you'd probably say that's D D J just on a point scoring affair. Um, I'd say if you go to the season before you know, and you're going to like COVID season, you're talking like a Trey Scott you seasons before that. You're talking like a Jaron Cumberland before that you're talking like a Jacob Evans or Gary Clark or a Troy Copain. You know, you go, you have a guy that, you know, that even if they're not the f- biggest scoring threat, they're the guy that like everything revolves around. And I just don't see where everything revolves around this. I mean, I would think that would be DDJ. I would think maybe that's Landers, but you can't expect that out of a guy who just came into your program. There's, there's, certain elements of like needing to adapt to a program in order for i think that sort of you know mental x factor qualification to be that leader of the team so on so forth but i just don't see who that who that is this year either it just seems like again it's just sort of this lack of identity and not knowing who's who on the floor and not knowing you know who we should rely on for this or that and have that guys like this guy's not on the floor we're definitely missing that i don't you know ddj's not on the floor Damn, we're not scoring. John Newman's not on the floor. Damn, we don't have a defense. You know, Vic's not on the score. Damn, we're not getting rebounds. That kind of thing. And it, it's and then you can plug them back in. And that's that's I think where I feel like there's a huge, huge aspect missing here.
3: Yeah. That's why, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I'll just say one thing one more thing real quick and oh, let okay. you go. But uh yeah, that's one of those things that you know it's probably good that Josh Reed and Skillings are getting some minutes now because they can, you know, kind of boost their confidence as they get older in their sophomore, junior, and senior years, and hopefully, you know, after some of these older guys are gone and after this year, Skillings and Josh Reed will have some of the some more of that confidence to be the guys that can step up next year and get us some buckets, play hard on defense. Like I think. uh Billis was talking about how Skillings is going to be a guy. He sees Skillings as a guy that can really step up for us on defense, and he can be that guy if he wants to be that guy. And so I I want to see that a lot more of that out of him this year. Right. And I think he can do it. He just
3: needs to have confidence in himself. Yeah. Yeah. For me, man, like, I guess my biggest concern uh, about everything is – one um is identity, you know, now I understand that the talent is not there. I understand that completely. Um, maybe obviously I'm I'm not on Wes Miller's level as far as coaching wise. I'm at the high school level, but even when you don't necessarily have the talent, your identity always shines through a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for me, my concern is West was supposed to make sure we get back to Bearcat defense and toughness, and I'm not seeing anything remotely close to it. Uh, I'm not sure um, if maybe it's not sticking. That's why I'm not sure. But always in the program, whether the talent is there or not, the identity shines through a little bit. And we're going into now, obviously, year two, we're only about five, six games in. But I still have the question, what does this UC team or program hang its hat on under Wes Miller? Mm -hmm. And I can't find an answer yet. And that's my concern because even when you don't have the talent, like I'll go back to Mick first year here. He had a bunch of intramural D2 guys. But you know what? They was going to play hard. They was going to lock up defensively. And you knew what you was gonna score, they might not score 40. But they were gonna lock up. And you knew that. And you knew they were gonna play hard. They had an identity. Once again, under John Brennan, two years, no identity. West Miller, years of change, no identity. I need an identity.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a thing that I think you're gonna find throughout this season is I don't know if we're gonna get that answer. <laughs> I mean, it's those kind of things I think evolve over the over the course of you know, your first couple of the games sort of getting into the season. But the problem is, I mean, I want to highlight real quick sort of what we've got left on our schedule before you get into conference play. Um, of course, we've got the game tomorrow um, or if it's not tomorrow, it's the day after. But I think it's tomorrow against Louisville. Um, and then you're going to have. NGI, NJIT. I don't even know what that, some Jesuit school probably <laughs> at home. New you're have Bryant, New Jersey, thank you. <laughs> New Jesuit Institute of Technology. Uh, not that. Uh, you're going to have Brian at home, and then you're going to have Xavier Miami and LaSalle at home. LaSalle, obviously not going to be too much, but you're going to have Xavier Miami. And as mentioned before, Travis Steele, knows the program. He knows kind of what to read around. He he knows things about Bearcats basketball. Granted, this doesn't look anything like that. So maybe we can expect something different. But there was a game, you know, that we had last year where it kind of came down to the wire and we really should have been able to get out of that one a little bit smoother. Um, again, Xavier, I mean, you look at this team right now, we are not going to beat Xavier. There's no freaking chance. I don't see how that's possible. I don't want to be that the guy who's like already like so apathetic about Crosstown going in weeks you know, to come, but this team is not ready for that game. And you can't tell me that Louisville, New Jersey Institute of Technology and Bryant are going to prepare us for that game any more than we're prepared now. Because mm-hmm. this is the time where you shine and this is the time where you s- at least step up and compete to show that you could probably compete in a game like that.
1: And I don't know if this is doomsday time, but dude, like, are we going to beat Louisville tomorrow? Like that that's a real I'm like I'm half serious, Justin. Like if we don't if we give Louisville their first one of the season, like that's a real black mark. Like that's a real that's a that's a bad mark on Wes's record. Like I'm I'm being like dead serious now. Like we gave Brandon yeah. two years. We realized like he wasn't it. We held our feet too long and probably like, you know, kinda of took our momentum away from the transfer portal and getting people and like getting more recruits and Wes start kinda of started late but like, dude, like, come on, like, that's, that's, I, it's, I can't square that one. Like, you you know, I mean, I could have squared either of the, the last three games. Like, I guess, like, if you want to say losing to NKU when it was like the biggest game in their history, like, okay, fine. Losing right. Losing to Arizona, a team that might compete for the national title this year. Yeah, that's fine. Losing to Ohio State, a team that has more talent, has an identity, has a system, fine. I mean the ways we've lost are not acceptable. I don't think at least. But dude, if, if you lose to this Louisville team, I'm really questioning. Like it, I I think like you I think you got to start questioning his job security. And I'm I'm half serious about that, Justin, because obviously it's year 2 and he's a program builder. He spent 10 years building that program at, at Greensboro, but like this is not it. And in this era of going into the Big 12 transfer portal, like maybe I'm being too doomsday. Someone call me out if not. Like one of the people who has speaker access, call me out right now. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be like over the top or crazy anything, but I'm just, I'm spiraling right now. Like someone tell me (laughs) it's going to be okay because I'm very worried that if, uh, about that game tomorrow. And like, I shouldn't be worried about not beating an 0-5 team, but I don't know. I'm, I'm worried.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll chime in here real fast and just say that I think I I don't think you're really off base with the with the Louisville part tomorrow. Like You really obviously have to win that game. You don't have to cover the spread. You don't have to win by five. You don't have to win by two. You got to win the game. I don't care if it's a triple overtime. You have to win that game no matter what. That would still look really ugly, but you have to win that game because that's just a statement win. What, no matter how pretty or ugly it happens, you have to win that. And I think... The, the issue is going forward here is how are you able to materialize going into the big 12? And I think that's, again, this is the same conversation we've had a lot with football. Um, and we're not going to transition into that. If you guys do want to listen to anything about football, please jump over uh, to Spotify, Apple pods after this. And uh, sometime in this coming week to listen to uh, our coverage on that. But Regardless, you, you have to, you have to realize that we're going into the big 12 and these games are going to be every single week. It's not going to be okay. You have a couple cupcakes in non-conference, you have a couple tough games in a tournament in, non- in non-conference, and then you have a couple more here and there, plus a Xavier, who's always going to give you their best. Once you get into the big 12, you're going to have probably all that, maybe schedule a couple more cupcakes. And then every single week is going to look like it looks right now. And if Arizona happens to go into the big 12, which is still up in the air as a possibility, then you really got to prepare because look at Arizona's record against a lot of the other PAC 12 teams. It's not pretty for those other schools. Arizona has dominated a lot of these schools and you have, have, have to be prepared for that. And if Gonzaga comes in too, like,
1: I mean, yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) you, you don't want to walk. The last thing you want to do is walk into the big 12 and then say, oh shit, we had two years to prepare for the Big 12 and now we're starting at year zero again or you're a year into the Big 12 and then you're starting at year zero or two years into the Big 12 and you're doing that. Like You don't want to hit the reset button. You should be sort of not not in the same uh, nationally recognized height that the football program is, but you should be in a position where you are a competitive team for the top two, top three in the conference in the American. So that way, once you transition, if you fall off, you can say better competition, not you get into the big 12 coming off of a year where you're middle of the pack in the American. Like that's, that's, it's not going to transition well, and you have to be ready for that. And this, this, where this program is right now is just not ready for that. And hopefully we can figure it out throughout the rest of the season. I mean, we'll see. We've got a lot of tough games left on our schedule still, uh, we have a lot of games that we definitely should win, so we'll see how that pans out. But hopefully, no matter what, we can kind of take care of business uh, tomorrow and in the next few games until we get Crosstown. Um, and, you know, when you have the shootout at home. You would hope that you can figure something out for that. But it's it's looking a little bleak right now. And, you know, we want to try to have some amount of positivity. but there hasn't been a whole lot to be positive about. Um, it's great when you start off three and O against cupcakes, but then when you go, you know, three or O and three against a team that you definitely should beat, and two teams that you'd hope you can at least run with. Um, it's, it's just a rocky start to the season. I think we'll, we'll see, we'll see how this pans out. I think, I think everybody who's here right now, mentally check back in after sh- the shootout and we'll see how apathetic we are on the rest of the season. Cause who knows? I mean, all this could happen and we, maybe somehow find a way to beat Xavier. And I think the the tide turns. That is a statement game. And hasn't been won in a long time. Hopefully this is the year that we do that.
1: I'm sorry uh, everybody for for spiraling. Um if anybody else <laughs> has anything to say. Um, uh, by the way, I don't think Wes Miller would get fired uh, when he's got this recruiting class coming in over the next two years. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going to build off that and hopefully, but like, I mean, I think there are some real concerns Um, and, you know, it's just going to see, take some time to see who, who gets, um, uh, what, what happens and how he responds to those. So, um, uh, does any do any of the, or, or any of more of the speakers, does anybody else have anything else to say before we get out of here?
2: looking like radio silence. So with that, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Um, again, if you're not already listening, please be sure to check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple pods or other platforms that you can find us on. Um, we are there weekly. Uh, we try to do a post game pod like we're doing right now. Uh, at least for football, we might do some more for basketball, depending on how things go. But, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks for all the input. And, um,